Welcome to The Alternative Investor, the show where we discuss, debunk, and demystify all things about investing in alternative assets. Brad, you want to talk about debt? Who doesn't want to talk about debt? It's not scary at all. <laughs> oh, debt is so exciting. It's uh, the real estate's uh, investor's best friend and worst enemy at times. Yeah, you, you real estate guys love debt. So yeah, today's show, folks, is going to be about debt. Um, what is debt? Why debt? When do, you, when do you get debt? How much debt do you put on an investment? And then maybe we'll do a quick example if it's not too confusing by that point. Sound good? Sounds great. Okay, Brad, let's kick it off. So maybe just describe debt, what it is in your mind. Give right. us your lowdown. Well, yeah, I think everybody understands what it is, but it's essentially just a loan that you're going to have to pay back. And it's capital that you can use to facilitate a transaction to either be able to buy something that uh, you don't have the equity for, right? So like you go and buy your home, you want to buy a million dollar home, you have 200000 well, you'll get debt for the other 80%. Got it. Or... Okay. Or you want to maximize your return and utilize debt because you can get debt at a much lower rate than what your cost of equity is, right? So you have investors who are expecting maybe a double-digit return. You can go out into the marketplace and get debt at a much lower interest rate, right? Usually, you know, for real estate, it's in the you know four percent range, five percent range right now, and that is going to be a much lower payment than what you would, in theory, have to pay to your equity partners, your investors. Okay, so you, you said a lot of smart things there, Brad. Let me. Uh... Um, let me unpack I must have that. Just accidentally backed into that. <laughs> okay, so first of all, it's 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 a source of funds to buy an asset, right? So it's you got equity, which is coming from your investors, and you got debt, which comes from the banks generally, right? So it's but it's cash, right? It's good. It's cash. Right. It's green, and it comes with certain restrictions, right? So what are, what are some of the restrictions or promises that you have to make to a bank to get debt? A lot of promises. A lot of promises. You got to sign your life away sometimes for recourse debt. That's generally small banks that are requiring you to sign personally to backstop the debt. Debt, should something go wrong or non-recourse debt, which just means that they can only go after the asset, the company, the property, if there is a default. And then you got to have loan covenants, right? So you have to adhere to certain ratios, right? They want to make sure that the, the income from the property or the business is above a certain threshold. Otherwise, they start to get nervous and they, they want to say, hey, wait a minute. We're going to take over the bank account now because we're worried about this business or this property going into default or bankrupt. So we want ac access to the cash. Yeah. So they... They basically make you sign things that you're gonna, you know, you're gonna do things to keep their money safe. Essentially, like, hey, we want we want to know this money's coming back to us, so we want you to run the business this way. Yeah, they want security. Yeah, well, there's one. Don't we all? To be secured, right? So there's they've seen it all in these downturns, and they've seen bad actors try to wiggle their way out of paying back the bank, or you know, just trying to save the the business or the property buying time and and often that ends in tears so the lenders have seen all these mistakes and seen you know so many cycles that every year they keep adding some different wrinkle to the documents to make <laughs> it less likely that uh, they're going to lose their yeah. money yeah well makes sense you can't blame them okay so then you, the other thing you said is that it juices your returns right so obviously there's there's some sad things and some scary things about that like you said you might sign your life away but obviously there's some great reasons to get debt and so so what are those two things basically yeah, from juicing your return standpoint, we just talked about your the debt often, that interest rate is lower than than the yield that that property is kicking off or that business is kicking off. So, so you're paying the bank 5% on their money, but the property's spinning off 15%, so you're 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 15% your would life. be amazing. I mean, that's that's more your world. But yeah, so say if you brought a, a prop bidding off 8% unlevered cash and you put debt on it at 5, well that is going to be pretty accretive debt. In other words, it's good debt. It's good debt. You're not 
not just going to get an 8% return on that property. You're going to get a low teens percent return, if not higher mid teens, because that lower cost of capital, that lower debt is goosing the return, right? Yeah. Goosing and juicing. (laughs) We're going to goose those returns and juice them. So, okay. So it juices the returns. And then, and then the other obvious, you know, thing about debt, and I think we all know this from those of us that have ever bought something with debt, but like a house, um, is you just don't have to come up with as much cash. I mean, that's kind of nice, right? Like, you know, you, you dig into your piggy bank and you have, you know, you have 10 bucks and then you get the bank to spit out, you know, put in the other 10 bucks. You can buy something that's worth 20 bucks, right? But you yeah. only have 10. And it's for saving for a lot of people, right? They are paying down the mortgage or the debt gradually over time. And that is going against, you know, the principle of the loan. You, you can think of that as long as the equity in the home is staying stable. That's like investing into a savings account almost. Yeah. Okay, so debt. There's there's good things and bad things about it. You know, good. Yeah, it just amplifies things, right? Yeah. It amplifies. It makes your life way things. better or way worse. And exactly, and it amplifies to the downside as well. Yeah. Okay. How do you think about how much debt you put on your deals? Yeah. So I think there's people that have gone through real estate downturns and have experienced cycles, and then there's people that have only those seen are the those times. are the grizzled old veterans. Yeah, and I think deep that, lines in their face. Yeah, we we've been scarred. I saw a lot of things during the down cycle. We couldn't buy. There's people every day. You're running into who are to say they're going to lose their shirt on some deal the lenders coming after them for so when you see that trauma then you realize that okay this is a cyclical business everything doesn't grow to the sky so you're more thoughtful about debt and so we generally cap things at 70 percent sometimes 75 percent in buying in buying properties and if you look at the overall portfolio we're far lower than that because every once in a while we'll buy something cash or we'll buy something at 60 percent leverage because it's a turnaround deal so I like to think about debt in terms of the overall overall portfolio and making sure that we're not going over, you know, around 65, 70 across the entire portfolio. But every once in a while, you can selectively go a little bit higher. And, and is that is that 65, 70%? I mean, is that is that slightly arbitrary in the sense that you're like, look, I don't think this thing is going to dip by more than 20, 25%. So we're going to be able to cover our debt. I mean, is how do you kind of get to that number? Yeah. So I think about it in terms of debt service coverage ratio. And that just means the amount of money that the property is kicking off a relative to the debt payment. Uh-huh. So if you take, say the property's kicking off 2 million and the debt service is 1 million, that's a debt service coverage ratio of two. And lenders just want to be comfortable usually about 1.2. So if you have that much room for error, then you can survive a lot of downturns yeah. and you know you're going to be able to service your debt. So you could put 80% leverage on a deal. Yeah, you could. I was going to say, you could get you more. You could. You can put higher debt if you felt really good about how much The cash. banks would give you that? They would give you up to 80% loan to value? They will. Some Usually, most banks these days like to stop at 75, and that's kind of where I stop. But some banks will go to 80. Some property buyers will put on secondary financing, and they'll put on a, a second tranche above the senior debt and go up to 85, 90. So you have a first loan and a second loan. Yeah. And that's where people got in trouble in the downturn. And that's where I think people will get in trouble next cycle. Yeah. And it's, I feel like it's like many things with investing, right? There's no right answer here, right? There's, there's no one that says, hey, look, 65% loan to value is just the right number. No. It's it just what just, you're comfortable with. Yeah. It comes with. down to what you're comfortable with. And also, you know, sort of what you How see coming works. down the line. And yeah, yeah. Like what your, your predictions of the future and or the cash flows of the business. And no, you can make a, a rational argument that, hey, if we can get 90% debt, you do it. Yeah. You do it over a, a lot of deals that you feel really good about the risk in those deals, then you maybe you can get comfortable with that because there you're going to have a lot less equity at risk should things really go down the tubes. You're going to lose a lot less money than, than people who thought they were being safe at you know 75% leverage. 
but got all that equity got wiped out because you had a you know a fifty percent correction. Yeah, no, it's, I would say our worlds differ a little here in the sense that I I feel like there's probably not one real estate deal done in America or in the world without debt. Right? I mean, I feel like debt is so common in real estate. Is is that fair to say? Well, we close deals all cash every once in a while, but usually it's with the intent of yeah, but you're going to get debt on it, right? it at some point and pulling out cash. Yeah, and oh, whereas yeah. I think in in private equity, you know, there's there's deals done quite a bit that have zero debt, and there's other firms that actually go really high and they get you know forty, fifty, sixty percent loan to value. So it's it's all over the map over here. Yeah, it's way more rare for the firm that has, hey, we are going to be a debt free company where maybe it's a family company that's just like, look, we don't want the hassle. We just want to put money to work at mid to high single digit returns and we're going to sleep at night not worrying about some lender. Yeah. I've never purchased a business with debt. You know, the the one deal I did, the apparel manufacturing company that I bought, we did all cash. Uh, And then my current gig, the the deals that we're looking at, you know, a lot of these we've, the offers that we've put in are, are, are all cash. It sort of depends on how much profit the business is throwing off. If the business is throwing off a fair amount of profit, and it's stable and we feel good about that and we you know we will include that uh in the offer so what what is if you saw a a deal that was kind of over what you your target maybe it was 60 70 100 million would your investors be more comfortable because you really want the deal putting on debt yeah for sure i you know especially if the business is throwing off cash that can support the debt i think that's what they would care most about is how much how much profit or ebitda is this business throwing off and how does that compare to the interest payments that you're going to have to make on the debt? So not not unlike the way you think about it. But it, yeah, it juices the returns and it, it reduces the amount of equity you come up with. So it's always nice. What do you think about doing a quick example here, Brad, for our listeners to kind of show them how debt can change the return on a deal? Does yeah. that... Yeah, that this, sounds this, this that sounds amazing. <laughs> All right, so everyone bear with us. This could be complete this could be a mess. But so Brad, let's take a business. You know, let's call it a maybe it's an asphalt paving business. Oh, sexy business. Oh, those are fun. And that's doing ten million a year in revenue. And let's say that it's a ten percent net margin business, so it's spitting off ten a million dollars in profit, right? So ten million in revenue, one million dollars in profit. And let's say that you were gonna buy this company for five times profit. So five million dollars. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Oh, God, I wish those deals existed nowadays. Um, okay, so here, the way it would work is that, you know, and oh, by the way, let's say, you know, you're going to get, let's start off with two, we call them turns in the private equity world. I think, what do you guys call them? I don't know. We don't call it, any, we call it LTV, loan to value. You, you guys talk about loan to value, we say turns, but so turn is just a multiple on the on the profit. So two turns on this would be two million because it's doing a million in profit and two times a million is two million. Okay, so let's say we get two million dollars in debt. And let's say that debt is a five-year term, so you got to pay it off in five years, but you can pay interest only for the first five years. And so you're going to, and it's, let's say it's a five percent interest, right? So you're going to pay five percent on two million, so you're going to pay a hundred thousand dollars a year on that debt payment, and then you got to pay it off in year five. And fortunately for this example, we've actually sold the business in year five, so this is going to work out. Wow, really, that worked out really well, really nicely. Um, in that scenario, where you buy that business for five million bucks, you get two million dollars of debt. It's at a five percent interest rate. Uh, you're going to make a 30% annual return if you get two turns of debt. Cha-ching. Pretty good. I w- I'd take that deal any day. Yeah. Can um, we just do a bunch of those? <laughs> if you have an asphalt paving business doing 10 on one, one on 10, call me. Um, okay. So let's, let's say that now you're a little more conservative and so you want to just do one turn of debt. So instead of $2 million in debt, you actually just took out $1 million in debts and then you had to come up with $4 million bucks because you bought it for five. Your return goes from 30% down to... Drum roll. Interesting. 24%. Okay. So you have made less money because you've taken out less debt. Conversely, let's say you take that two turns of debt and you actually go to three turns of debt, right? Oh, man. Let's see what we do. 
that's a 43% return. Whoa. Gosh, that looks good. Okay, so on this one, you know, maybe you want to go three, eh, three or four turns. I think it's illustrative to see how much your returns can change. You can, the same deal, depending on how much debt you get, whether you get 3 million or 1 million, your returns can go from 43% down to 24%. So I, I think that's... You could see why debt is so seductive. Yeah, it's right, sexy. Like, wait a minute, if I just put a little more debt on this thing, woo, look at the return now. I think you have to listen to the risk episode in conjunction with this. Well, right? so, yeah, we should probably <laughs> we are, you know, link back to that. So, I, you know, let's, but that's a really good point because look, if you get $3 million in debt on this business and it's a 5% interest rate, you got a, you got $150,000 in interest payments due each year. And that's, you know, the thing's doing a million dollars in profit. But what if you have a bad year? You know, what if for whatever reason... What if it rains a lot? They can't reskin that asphalt <laughs> just a really rainy year in your area um <laughs> and you're you're that million dollars in profit goes down to a hundred thousand dollars well now you're you know you don't even have enough money to pay the the bank their interest rate and so or their interest payments so, so bad calling your house oh yeah harassing they, your wife they want to pick up the title to your car yep yep okay so so there's an example of debt and would it be worth doing one for real estate too brad why not Okay, so let's take that same the uh, same numbers. Okay, but let's say now we're dealing with a uh, an office building on uh, Main Street in Anytown, USA. I love that building. And good market. Th- <laughs> that uh, that office building is throwing off one million dollars of net operating income, right? So that's the equivalent of your EBITDA or the profit from our world, right? So a million dollars of net operating income. You're getting so good at real estate. Oh, I love it. And uh, but because this is real estate, it's a hell of a lot more expensive or a higher multiple. So let's say what? I don't know. Less risk. So less risk, more risk. expensive. So let's say you have to buy that thing for 15 million bucks. Does that sound okay? Sure. Uh, whereas, you know, in our world, we bought it for 5 million. You got to pay 15 million because it's less risky. And so what do you want the LTV to be on this one, Brad? So the loan to value, what do you want? It? Uh, loan to value is 75%. Okay. So your return, if your loan to value is 75%, that means you're going to get, that's $11.2 million in debt. You're going to have a 12% return. That's good. That's respectable. A, that's very respectable. That's respectable well, for an office building. Depends on the market, obviously, and, and the tenant makeup. But yeah, that, that's respectable. And that really is driven by the fact that we're kind of buying at, you said there's a 15 multiple? Uh, yeah, you were buying at a 15. Yeah, so 15 multiple is like a seven cap rate, right? Yeah. We've talked about cap rates. You can look at other prior episodes <laughs> for cap rates. Let's not go into that now. But that basically is the unlevered return. And so we're putting on debt at, you said 5%. Yep, 5% debt. 5% debt, which is lower. And so basically, that's accretive debt. So that's going to goose the the return relative to the unlevered, the yield before you put debt on it. That was a 75% LTV. And you got a 12% return. Let's go up to an 80% LTV. Your return goes to 13%. Ooh. There you go. Yeah, it would keep going higher, yep. the higher leverage you got, once again, because it's accretive. But if you made the interest rate 8%, 9%, then all of a sudden, you're going to start losing money relative to to what it was without debt. And if you go down to a 70% LTV, you only make 11%. So yeah, you can, you know, your returns obviously will vary by the amount of debt you get. So in this case, Brad, I, I'd recommend, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that uh, 75% LTV that you originally went with. I like that one. Yeah, it feels like the right balance of trying to maximize returns, but not getting crazy with risk. Okay, so there you have it. So debt can juice your returns. It can reduce the amount of cash you have to come up with to uh, buy a deal. Of course, it comes with some promises that you have to make to some banks and, uh, and other people that might uh, end up coming after you one day. But you know, done th- done thoughtfully, it has its place in alternative investments. You know the uh, the Getty quote. I love the Getty quote where he says, "Hey, look, if you owe the bank a million dollars, that's your problem. If you owe the bank a hundred million dollars, that's, <laughs> that's the, the bank's, bank's problem." problem. <laughs> I like it. All right. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Alternative Investor. 
Since you made it this far, you should take a second to subscribe to the podcast and join our email list. There, you'll receive additional insights and insider access to the world of alternative investments. Just visit thealternativeinvestorshow.com.